0: Welcome to the On the Yard podcast powered by the R.W. Jones Agency. I'm your host, Ashley Northington, and I'm here to connect you with the trends, news, and events happening across historically black and minority serving colleges and universities. Tune in each week where we will give you a dose of HBCU leadership and culture, one episode at a time. Hello, hello everyone and welcome. Thank you for tuning in to our very first episode of the On The Yard podcast. Today we are joined by a very distinguished guest who will share her perspective on what's currently happening across the HBCU landscape. Our guest today is Dr. Brittany Mosby, who is the nation's first full-time director of HBCU Success for the Tennessee Higher Education Commission. Welcome, Dr. Mosby. We are so glad to have you on On the Yard.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So let's go ahead and get into it. Um, I know you're working at the Tennessee Higher Education Commission, but you have a wealth of experience working with HBCUs. Can you just share with us a little bit about um, some of the stops you had before landing at THEC and a little bit about what your role currently um, entails?
1: Sure. Absolutely. Um, So first and foremost, I am a proud third generation graduate of an HBCU of Spelman College in Atlanta. Um, I like to say that my family would not exist if it were not for HBCUs. Uh, Not only, um, you know, were they the educating force, but also uh, my grandparents met at Spelman and Morehouse. And so uh, thus began our family. Um, Wow. After um, I major, I was a math major at Spelman. um, Went on to get graduate degrees in mathematics, and I taught for a while um, here in Tennessee. And around my eighth year of teaching, I uh, started a policy program, and I began to think about ways that I could really impact uh, those students who needed it most at a state level, at a federal level. Um, And so that's what got me interested in um, policy positions. And then, of course, this job in particular for my my love of HBCUs. So um, I say it was a, a position that was basically created for for me to step into. And I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful and blessed um, that the timing um, has has worked out the way that it has. Um, So what I do in a nutshell is I am a a liaison between the seven HBCUs in the state of Tennessee um, and the state's higher education agency. Um, I work to promote policy and programming um, that will strengthen our HBCUs capacity uh, to provide a high quality education and to increase the graduation rate for Tennessee HBCUs to be the highest in the country. Um, So uh, what that means is uh, developing programs for our HBCU um, staff, administrators, faculty to participate in, creating opportunities for HBCU students through internship programs, um, and uh, just really trying to be innovative um, with ways that uh, we can use state resources uh, to help those institutions.
0: Got it. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming here and and being willing to share your expertise with us. So let's go ahead and like jump right in. Um, Right now, you can't seem to turn on the TV or get online without hearing some mention of an HBCU. HBCUs are in the spotlight like never before. What do you think is causing this interest in HBCU culture and HBCU outcomes?
1: Yeah, I tell you, it is a great time right now uh, to be an HBCU graduate, to be affiliated with HBCUs anyway. Um, and I think that this is a point in history where uh, our generation is having its reckoning with um, the importance that culture and race play in the national dialogue. Um, And so many reasons why um, I think HBCUs are having their resurgence, uh, not the least of which we we now have a proud graduate in the White House. Vice President uh, Kamala Harris um, has uh, truly shown um, that From HBCU, you can go anywhere, literally, um, breaking all kinds of barriers and glass ceilings. But I think also um, the, the the younger generation, Generation Z, is um, looking for a way to plug into their culture beyond uh, what is traditionally presented on TV and what is uh, has been stereotypically and historically been uh, the representation um, of our institutions. And so um, truly a um, a, a perfect alignment of social movement and uh, interest that has, has led to this resurgence.
0: Absolutely. I love that you say resurgence because for many people, they don't, many folks don't recognize that HBCUs have been leading and have always uh, been on the forefront of producing some of the nation's top talent. It's just that many folks haven't always known about it. And so this is just a great time of exposure of that, you know, legacy of, of excellence.
1: Exactly. Um, Before um, even so before this year, 10 years ago, HBCUs represented uh, 3% of higher education as institutions across the country, but graduated over 20% of Black Americans with bachelor's degrees. So HBCUs have been punching above their weight class um, for,
0: since their inception, truly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. So in this you know, moment of resurgence, in this moment of shine, what type of opportunities exist for historically Black colleges and universities? Is this like a make or break moment?
1: Well, I don't know about make or break. Uh, There are a lot of folks who like to speculate on the future of higher education and and no one ever gets it right. But what I can say is that this is truly a moment for um, HBCUs to boldly innovate. Um, I think as All of higher education starts talking about the new normal and life after COVID-19. This is going to be a time where HBCUs will really benefit from um, collaboration, from strength in numbers, and from finding innovative ways to recruit students, to retain students, to graduate students, and then to ensure that students have job placement um, on the other end. Uh, This is truly a time for HBCUs to look at new types of academic programs. Programming, um, to add degrees to their uh, catalog that answer the technology questions that we're starting to see in the future. Um, and it's a time to capture a new uh, generation of students, not just recent high school graduates, but also adult students um, who because of the economy are looking to go back to school um, to increase their credentials. So there really is no limit, no ceiling on uh, the directions that H. HBCUs can take at this time. And um, I, I think uh, the, the most optimistic outlook um, for HBCUs in this moment um, is innovation through collaboration.
0: Ooh, I love that. Innovation through collaboration. Um, do you think that's collaboration with community partners, collaboration um, with other institutions of higher education? Who do you think um, would be ideal partners Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all of the above. All of the above.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Um, you know, truly, uh, there's there's probably not a, uh, a partnership that would not be welcome. Um, but I specifically think about partnerships among HBCUs, uh, mm-hmm. particularly um, in Tennessee, where uh, our HBCUs are a little bit smaller, and they're a little bit spread out geographically, and um, I think collaboration with other institutions like them matters in this time because they all have such unique strengths and abilities. Um, And so coming together um, makes them stronger. And so seeing a collaboration, for example, between um, our Lemoyne Owen College, our Lane College, and our Fisk. University and American Baptist College as our um, private undergraduate institutions in the state um, can really uplift the four of them in ways that individually they might not be able to do on their own. Um, But that being said, um, absolutely, it's important um, to partner with community investors, um, showing that the return on investment uh, for HBCUs in terms of diversity and um, equity in the workforce is super important. And then other institutions uh, have a lot to learn from HBCUs regarding being successful with a particular demographic of student um, that has historically struggled at other types of institutions.
0: Right. Right. Um, how would you say HBCUs shape higher education culture? You said that before a lot of folks speculate on, you know, the future of higher ed and they don't get it right, but HBCUs have totally been punching above their weight class. How do you think HBCUs play a role in this, you know, overall landscape?
1: Well, I can tell you how I would love to see HBCUs playing a role moving forward. Um, I would love to see HBCUs as the leading um, information source for high-touch wraparound student services. One of the things that HBCUs have always done and have always gotten right is that um, intrusive advising before it was an algorithm, that early alert um, at an HBCU was an RA knocking on your dorm door telling you to get up and go to and go to class, you know. Um, that wraparound services was, um, you know, the physical plant staff knowing your name and um, and asking how you were doing in your classes uh, as you walked in between buildings. So um, I think HBCUs, again, have a wealth of um Institutional knowledge unto themselves on how higher education writ large can do a better job of retaining and graduating students, um, and and also um, educating those students. Like I said, that traditionally have fallen through the cracks, both in public K twelve education, but then also um, at non HBCU institutions. Uh, uh, these days, it's very common to see um, mentorship programs, black male initiatives, and the like on the campuses of predominantly white institutions. And um, while it's a new initiative for them, at HBCUs, it's just the way of life, everything at an HBCU um, is a black male initiative. That's uh, just how they do business. And so um, I think it is uh, past time for higher education um, to look to the HBCU sector um, for uh, the, the roadmap on how to do student success.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to, you know, you just said something, and I just want to back it up for people who are listening, who may not um, be as tuned in as we are as HBCU graduates to, to this, uh, the, what it's like. What would you say the primary differences are between a historically black college or university and an institution that is not labeled that? What do you think those levers are that are make it different, unique? Right,
1: Um, I think uh, one of the biggest things that it comes down to is culture. Uh, I believe that nowadays um, sociologists are finding that, especially for Black and Indigenous people of color in the United States, we view um, community and community relations and social capital in fundamentally different ways than the um, than the majority group in this country. And so, I believe that when you step on the campus of an HBCU, you are immediately enveloped in that um, very Eastern idea of village community growth uh, that exists in pockets, I believe, um, at other types of institutions. But again, at HBCUs, it is is the norm. Um, So whereas, you know, at um, you know, a a state university, you might have to seek out the black student group. You might have to try to find, you know, the clubs for, uh, black engineers or, you know, um, black journalist majors at HBCUs. It's just the journalism club. It is just the engineering club. Um, and so I think being the, the, uh, the the default being the status quo um, is something that, that makes that HBCU experience so radically different. And the other thing is, is that that experience is automatically inclusive. Um, Mm -hmm. There is, there's nothing exclusive about life on an HBCU campus to the point where uh, even non-black students Thrive and flourish at HBCUs because truly, you know that that village raising a child concept uh, works for all children. You know, not not just particular, um, not just particular groups. And so, um, I think that is one of the the fundamental differences um, that you'll find uh, in what makes an HBCU experience just that much more sacred and um, important for those of us who attended. We know it's it's hard to put into words um, what it was that happened on campus, but um, it it truly stays with you for a lifetime.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. (laughs) Um, Speaking of, you know, inclusivity, you know, right now, you know, our nation has been grappling with, you know, racial injustice and unrest. How do you think, based on your perspective, your vantage point, how do you think HBCUs have responded to this moment of sort of racial unrest?
1: I, I, I've been really impressed with the national um, response, both from HBCUs and to HBCUs. Uh, and I think that's evident in you're seeing a lot of more philanthropic donations to HBCUs. You're seeing um, uh, people recognize that an investment uh, in an HBCU is not only an investment in a single institution, but also the uplift of an entire community. And so one thing that has really made me excited um, during otherwise challenging times is that we are seeing record-breaking investment in our institutions across the country. Um, These days, just about every week, you pick up uh, or you open up, you click your browser. I guess no one reads the newspaper anymore. I do. Uh, (laughs) 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 We're the old-fashioned ones. Um, But there's there is another institution receiving a record breaking donation. Absolutely, um, and it's 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 interesting that you know we had to get to 2020 2021 for those record breaking donations to happen. But um, I'm I'm really excited that they're happening, um, and so that is an investment in the HBCU mission, which is to educate and to promote. Um, anyone who comes through their door. Um, And so HBCUs are really the socioeconomic mobility engine um, for a lot of our distressed, depressed communities uh, across the nation. And um, and so I think uh, in this time, HBCUs leaning into that mission uh, is one of the best things that they can do in response to the current climate.
0: Mm hmm. mm -hmm. And so speaking of that climate, not only are we dealing with this moment of racial unrest, we are also dealing with a a global pandemic. A whole Um, pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. And and HBCUs have had to step up um, in this moment in very unique and different ways than perhaps other institutions um, have. Um, What shifts have you seen happen and what shifts do you think are likely to become the norm, you know, sort of post-pandemic?
1: Right. Well, um, here in Tennessee, um, in Middle Tennessee specifically, Meharry Medical College, um, has essentially been the source of COVID-19 testing, preparation, um, and now vaccination, um, for you know, almost the uh, the entire region and um, and the state, um, in ways that no other um, medical school has. And so I think this has truly been um, a time where HBCs are showing um, uh, showing what they're what they're completely capable of. Um, to where uh, Dr. Hildreth of um, Meharry, the president of Meharry, is now on uh, President Biden's. Um, task force for the COVID-19 response, uh, which is just really cool, you know, to have uh, someone, you know, from the hometown um, make it up there. Um, So, uh, you know, so that, that, that's been one major response. Um, I think for the other types of institutions, what we're seeing is um, a a shift more towards um, more diverse modalities of learning. Um, We're seeing more online learning um, and, uh, we are exploring ways to take that HBCU experience and make it virtual. Um, so, at, at all of our institutions um, uh, in Tennessee, they've spent at least the last uh, two semesters online, and um, I think one of the um, one of the biggest response points, or one of the things that we are looking. Um, to amplify in the future is how do you give a student the HBCU experience uh, through a computer, or how do you how do you extend that sense of community and that sense of belonging um, when uh, you're remotely connected? And um, I think that's uh, the results of that are, are what's going to be the new norm um, post pandemic.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what? Three things do you think should be happening right now at every HBCU across the country, given that we are have a new uh, presidential administration, given that we have this sort of racial uh, unrest, this health, a public health crisis. What should HBCUs everywhere be doing?
1: Um, Gosh, so uh, I don't I don't know if this will be three things. I'll just I'll just start talking and you stop well, Just me. give me
0: the stuff. <laughs> so, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, first and foremost, I can say uh, from my vantage point at the state level, I think every institution needs to make an investment in their local legislatures. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of policy happens at the state level, um, that I believe every single HBCU should be engaged in whether they're public institutions or not here in Tennessee. Um, our legislator makes decisions about financial aid, um, about eligibility, um, and, uh, 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 the, um, majority of, uh, students who go to our HBCUs qualify, uh, for some need, for some type of need based aid. And so it absolutely serves, um, in the institution's best interest to have a finger on the pulse of what's happening there. Um, I think, uh, all HBCUs do a great job of, um, uh, looking up to the federal level with, um, UNCF and Thurgood Marshall, um, uh, there is advocacy at the uh, national level um, for policy that happens, like in U.S. Congress. But um, I think a, a place where new investment can occur um, is locally with uh, your elected officials, your governor, um, and ensuring that that HBC voice is heard um, in those in those state house decisions. Um, Another thing the institution should do, I, I mentioned earlier, is uh, coming together, um, so uh, forming those coalitions, those uh, collaborations, uh, those consortia that um, can uh, also serve to amplify the needs and the common um, issues for common solutions among institutions. Um, Here in Tennessee, we are um, blessed to have a position like mine that really serves as a um, convener. But I think um, um, even without state input, uh, now is the time for institutions to be Looking to one another to see in what ways um, they complement and in what ways uh, they can uh, be uh, mutually beneficial um, from partnerships um, for uh, all level academic programming, for student success, you know, for administrative practices, best sharing, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, And then I think third, institutions need to be. Rethinking um, enrollment management and recruitment. Um, yes. One of the things that we saw post pandemic and mid pandemic um, was uh, enrollment decreases across the board. Um, so you know, public institutions, community colleges, private schools, um, many saw decreases um, from spring to fall 2020. Um, And now that we are looking forward, you know, to the light at the end of the tunnel, um, I think The uh, the best thing that an HBCU can do in this time is to get on that cutting edge of recruiting new students um, and uh, uh, really being strategic and aggressive with their enrollment management practices. Um, Because what what we are finding um, is the uh, generation after generation Z is um, much smaller than than the millennials and then the generation X before them. So um, we're seeing a shrinking of the pool of applicants to post-secondary across the board, um, which means for institutions, there's going to be greater competition um, for uh, the the students um, that are looking to go into college. So not only, you know, paying attention to that, but also the untapped Potential of the adult student group, you know, um, those non traditional students. Um, so really just being innovative in how you look at getting students to your door. Um, I think Edward Waters College in Florida has an accelerated program for um, working adults in business uh, where they can get a certification and then a degree um, in business while attending classes and working as well. And I think that's, that is um, a really cool program um, and a great model for um, other institutions and an example of you know, how to capture previously untapped markets.
0: Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. This is good stuff. So the three things I'm going to summarize you. Okay. The three things that HBCU should be doing is to advocate, Mm -hmm. um, innovate, Yes. Advocate, collaborate, and innovate.
1: There we go. That's great. Advocate, collaborate, innovate. Yes.
0: We've <laughs> so got it worked out. We've, we've yes. got it solved very quickly. Yes. This is what needs to happen. Advocate <laughs> at the state level, collaborate with a, other HBCU partners, and innovate the way in which you decide to enroll students.
1: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. That
0: works. So, um, Dr. Mosby, here is my last question for you today. Okay. If there was one thing you could say about the HBCU experience or about HBCU culture um one thing that you wish people knew that maybe perhaps they don't know what's that one thing that you'd say that you'd leave with people about HBCUs
1: HBCUs are for everybody they're for yes. everybody <laughs> <laughs> Um truly I think um Right. Mm-hmm. What I would, what I would, what I would share with anyone is that it doesn't matter who you are, um, academically underprepared, academically high achieving, black, white, whether you want to be an engineer or a nurse or a teacher. There's an HBCU for you, and that HBCU experience um, can truly be for anyone. The doors are open to all. HBCUs were founded to educate anyone um, who showed up at their doors, and And it remains true to this day. Um, And so any student who is looking for a unique cultural experience, one that will help them not only academically, but socially, socially, um, economically, spiritually, um, then the HBCU is the way to go.
0: I love that. I love that so much. I couldn't agree with you more. For sure. Um, So thank you so much, Dr. Mosby, for sharing your wisdom and your expertise with us. Um, We appreciate you. And I hope that you will join me on an upcoming episode of On the Yard.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of On the Yard, powered by the R.W. Jones Agency. R.W. Jones is the nation's only strategic communications and issues management firm explicitly focused on higher education, serving more than 50 colleges and universities nationwide. Check back for next week's episode of On the Yard, where we'll give you another dose of HBCU leadership and culture.